I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me as always is my lovely and talented co-host mr eric smith hey everybody he shaved his legs for this didn't you eric absolutely yes so i am back it has been a couple of weeks um i went to horror hound weekend and then got felled with con crud possibly or it was the girl hacking on the plane um but horror hound weekend was well worth getting sick for it was a great show and um i got to do some awesome panels with some even more awesome guests and uh, i was very proud to be a part of the 30th anniversary uh, reanimator panel 30 years. Man. Seems I, like just yesterday. I'm very old. And uh, that, that was an amazing panel. It had um, Jeffrey Combs, Bruce Abbott, Barbara Crampton, uh, Carolyn Purdy Gordon, uh, Stuart Gordon, and Dennis Paley, the screenwriter, were all on the panel. And, and we also even had Dr. Hill's severed head. So, nice. yeah, and it was a Thane of Beauty, and you can see that. I believe I posted some images of that on my Facebook page. But uh, Terrence Zudnick, Zudinich, I always say Zudnick. It's Zudinich. Zudinich. That's actually how you say it. Um, From Repo the Genetic Opera was there, and we got to actually preview unheard music from Devil's Carnival 2 on his panel. No one had ever nice. heard it. That was so awesome. So Harham Weekend was a phenomenal, um, fun time for everybody. Uh, once again, Norman Reedus was there on Saturday, and his line went around the building, I think, twice. Wow. Yeah, he did quite a bit on uh, Saturday. But uh, this episode is very special, and I'm very, very excited. Um, I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, our special guest this episode is Mr. Ted Ramey. I, he was he was great. We had a great time talking to him about his new YouTube series, Deathly Spirits, which you can listen to and watch, more so listen to, you'll see why. Um, tomorrow, as of this airing, it will be on uh, April 3rd, Friday, on YouTube. And it's another, it's a creepy combination of old school radio thriller and how to mix a drink. That's kind of what I took from it. Right, Eric? Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, uh, can't wait. Keep listening and we will have our interview with Ted Ramey here shortly. Um, but first we have to go through some week in geek news. And, um, of course we have to talk about the walking dead finale, even though I did a video, um, review of that, that you can watch online, um, on fangirlmag.com, but we have to talk a little bit about it because holy crap, that was a lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened. And, uh, the one thing I did not mention in my review was that awesome scene between Abraham and Eugene. Oh yeah. That was fantastic. I love Eugene. And uh, that was just a great, a great little scene in the middle of all the chaos. That mm-hmm. was kind of a little quiet, personal scene. Well, and because everyone sort of forgot the fact that they were, you know, Abraham almost killed him. <laughs> yes. In, in the chaos of everything going on. We sort of forgot the fact that Eugene could have died because Abraham got really pissed. And he's got really big arms. Yes. And so 
uh it was it was an interesting it was a, that was a great scene it was perfect for those characters mm-hmm. it really was abraham was very with withdrawn and withheld and you know, very stoic and very monosyllabic on on how he uh answered and eugene yes. was very robot like <laughs> eugene Eugene has one of the greatest ways of speaking. It's um, it's awesome. You know, you have to, you have to credit the writers and the actor for just bringing that character to life, and the way he talks is so entertaining. It makes him one of my favorite characters just for that. Josh McDermott is the man. I, I have to say, and um, he was at Horrorhound this weekend, and his line never stopped because he is such a cool guy, and that character is so great. And I have to mention this. You know, at a convention, you'll have banners above people's tables to tell you who they are. Mm-hmm. And his says, Dr. Eugene, and I can't remember his last name. Oh, my God. But anyway, his his character's name. Well, you can tell that it was him that did it. He, t- he took a marker and marked out the doctor because he's not actually a doctor. <laughs> so there's Dr. Eugene, and then there's this big marker over the doctor part because it's a falsehood. The, yes. the mullet is full of lies. The mullet is lies. Um, so it was uh, that just it was such a good episode, and nothing happened like I thought it was going to, except for Porch Dick. Well, it, it didn't feel like a season finale to me. Mm-mm. No, as, it, it didn't. As much as I enjoyed the episode and what went on, it it I don't know. It just didn't feel like maybe because. We as a TV viewing audience have become so used to season finales being these huge things that are going to leave you with, leave you in shock, leave you with some great cliffhanger. And when that doesn't happen, it doesn't feel like it was a finale. But you know, back in the day, not not season season finales weren't like that. Well, The Walking Dead is notorious for killing off main cast members or you know major cast members on their finales, especially when they're directed by Greg Nicotero. Well, apparently that's what they do at the mid-season and then when it comes back for the second half of the season. Yeah, that's, that's what they did this year. Yeah, this that, that's that's pretty much the truth. It's it it was sort of interesting. I I mean, uh, my money, my money was on Daryl going out. I I could have swore to God that he was going to die. And um I had placed you know, my my thing was I had no basis of this, but I swore they were going to take him out with Negan like Negan was going to show up at the end of the episode and nail him in the head with a baseball bat <laughs> I I could have swore that was going to happen and it didn't but boy for a little bit there you did not know what was going to happen with Daryl yeah and uh that was well played well played sirs well played <laughs> and I still stick by little Merle and my idea of the moment he said, we need to figure out a way to cover up these windows so they can't see in. Make out! Just make out! <laughs> steam steam, up, steam the windows. up the windows! Just do it, Aaron! You know you want to! Kiss him! So, anyway. Sorry. 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 Um, <laughs> don't want to offend the people in Indiana. Um, so, anyway. Walking Dead finale was great. Um, so much fun. Um, so moving on to another zombie series that I have yet to talk about on this show um, because of timing and how, uh, God, I felt like waiting forever for iZombie. iZombie was well worth the wait, though. And it is probably like one of my favorite TV series right now. I, just after three episodes, it is so good. And, um, and Eric is spot on with his assessment of the lead character. She looks just like a Mike Allred character come to life. She does. You just you see her on screen, and if you know his artwork at all, it's spot on. No, she looks just like the girl in the comic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's creepy to the point of creepy. Um, <laughs> so there are some definite differences between this and the comic book, but there's enough similarities and things going on. And Mike Allred is like a proponent of the comic on on Twitter. He's like posting about it all the time. Um, everybody in the show basically has a Twitter feed as well. And it's, it's just a great show. They, they, everybody's just got a great chemistry and I love, um, all red did, uh, he did the artwork for the, the credit sequence. 
Mm-hmm. He actually did it. So that's why it looks so much like the comic because he actually did the artwork. And it's just a really great show. It's and it's written by the guy that did Veronica Mars. So you know he has a penchant for writing for petite little strong blondes. <laughs> yes. And and that snarky comes across in this and I really love how she takes on those personality traits of the brains. And this last episode which Eric hasn't seen yet but was so good. Um Liv takes on she she eats the brain of a sociopath and doesn't realize it until it's too late and it turns out it's a um a uh, killer for hire guy that was murdered by his client um and she becomes very very cold and withdrawn and emotionless and I love so sort of zombie like yes exactly that's what she <laughs> says is I've been a zombie for for so long but I truly feel like one now kind of a thing. And it's interesting. Um, there's some really great scenes where she's dealing with so much pain because of the things going on in her life and how she's like, if I just eat more of this guy's brain, I won't have to feel it. And mm-hmm. I really want that. She's really tempted to just keep, keep in this cold zone that she's in, that this allows her to be in. Um, so it's, it's, it's a really interesting, um, you know, it's a great thing for the character too. You can do so many different things with that. That's an interesting contrast to the previous week's episode Mm -hmm. where eating the artist's brain, uh, kind of brought her more alive. Exactly. And she was, she was feeling everything and wanted to trying to grab that. Right. Seeing the beauty and the joy and the life and everything. So it's interesting that the very next episode she's trying to trying to dull all of that. Yeah, it's it's a really cool just that the concept of that show and that 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 superpower of if you want to call it that that she has makes it such a great show for story because you have she can be anything. Mm-hmm. In, and and that has to play into it. The other piece of this show that I'm really really loving, not just her her great um, morgue boss, who who got that mm-hmm. part in one audition, apparently. Right. Well, he's he's fantastic. He's fantastic. Um, is David Anders, who everyone knows from Heroes and from Once Upon a Time, which please, you know it sucks. He's not going to come back to Once Upon a Time now that he's doing this show. It just pisses me off. I know it, and I loved him as Frankenstein. He was so great in Once Upon a Time. Um, but he plays, um, I believe his name is Shane in this, and he is the villain of the piece. He is so fantastic in it, too. Oh, he's so smarmy. So s- slimy and charming. <laughs> he's slarming. <laughs> slarming. I want yes. a shirt with that on it. Oh, my God. Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely love his character, uh, and he and he's the reason she's a zombie. Yeah, that's the worst part. And uh, he's slow, and and that the idea that he's going to start, you know, he's not stupid. That's the thing. He's a player, yeah. and and he realized really quickly, I can make a lot of money by yeah. <laughs> infecting rich women with this, and then them realizing I they're not going to die now and plus I can feed them you know get them a supply of brains he doesn't care that he's going to have to like murder off everybody that he gets brains from um so or maybe he wasn't lying when he was talking about the the grave robbing thing but I think he's he's more of the easier to get them when they're alive deal you know they're they're right there I don't have to dig them up um but oh god it's so good so, um, you know what really sucks, though, for me, I, I have DirecTV, and my local DirecTV here does not have a CW affiliate, and they won't give me one. They won't give me the access to the East-West feeds, so I have to wait a day to watch it, to see mm-hmm. it on Hulu, which is the same thing with The Flash, Yeah. which, by the way, you need to check out Eric's Flash in the Flash review for tricksters that is up on fangirlmag.com because oh my god grod's coming oh yeah grod's coming and they're doing another (laughs) spinoff too yeah and um they just found someone else for that i'm trying to remember who they cast oh Uh, i know arthur darville arthur darville is playing a time traveler 
uh, Rip Hunter, I believe his name is. Yes, and it's basically the doctor. Arthur. Yeah. So Rory is playing the doctor on this new spinoff from The Flash and Arrow, which is basically like the super team one. It's got the Adams going to be in it. and uh, yeah, I saw they just cast uh, Hawk Girl. I yep. don't remember who the actress was. No, but they did um, cast her. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah, but I was dying when I was reading the description of his character. I'm like, really? Yeah. He he hides his the 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 weight of the years and the the weight of the time travel behind a veneer <laughs> of happy go lucky chum kind of a thing. I'm like, really, really, Arthur? Really? If he has a long scarf. I or a long uh, coat. He has <laughs> to have a long coat. But it, what's so great about this is it seems like the CW and these DC shows are getting everybody from Doctor Who they can to be in their series. You've now gotten, you've got Rory, you've had River, and you've got Jack. So oh, yeah. it's basically they're marking them off. I'm waiting for like Matt Sims to show up as some <laughs> evil villain mastermind. Um, speaking of card, comic book awesomeness. Because I have to talk about this. It just happened today as of this recording. Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Deadpool is going to be what, Eric? What is Deadpool going to be? Rated R. Yeah! Sorry. Sorry. There was a little bit of a glee there. Um, the best thing I've seen ever on um, online happened with Ryan Reynolds being interviewed by... Uh, I can never remember his name from Saved by the Mario Bell. Lopez. Mario right? Lopez, yes. I can't. Is it? What, I can't remember his name on Saved by the Bell. Anyway, Mario Lopez is interviewing Ryan Reynolds about Deadpool and telling him how it really should be a family-friendly movie. You really should cater. And all of a sudden, Deadpool himself clocks him on the head with like a a camera, <laughs> or yeah. and kills him on screen. And tells him, uh, you know, uh, basically his Saved by the Bell character has been murdered and it's okay, JC. was his name? I can't remember. Z- didn't he see? He's like, Zach, Slater Zach, can't Zach, hurt you anymore. That's right, Slater. Zach, it's okay. <laughs> Slater can't hurt you anymore. And he's holding this cartoon with rest in peace Slater and him dead on it. <laughs> so, yes, Deadpool is going to be rated R. And I am Wait. just, I, it's like Christmas it's Christmas. I've been a Deadpool fan for decades. Um, almost since the introduction of the character. Not quite, but pretty close. And Ryan Reynolds always seemed like the per- perfect person to play the part. And then that Wolverine movie came out and they destroyed even, my soul. They even mentioned that in the um, video, yes. which is so great. He actually looks embarrassed about the Wolverine movie. So it's, it's so nice to see that they're going... Real Deadpool this time. And his eyes. And, they, yeah. The eyes, the little white eyes, like, quirk up. They have to be animated. I mean, yep. ee, they're little white eyes. Oh, my yeah. God. Reynolds is, Reynolds is perfect for the part. It looks it looks like they pulled him right out of the comic book, too, that costume. Yep. Oh, my God, it's Athena Beauty. I'm so, I'm so stoked. I, I just... It's a good time to be alive. <laughs> it really is. Um, so before we get to our interview segment, I, I have to I have to tell you all about this really great thing going on right now. I'm desperately trying to get Eric to buy it because he really needs to. Um, so there is a site called Groupies, G R O U P E E S dot com, um, Groupies, and uh, right now, and the, actually, you can have part of your um, what you give them in money, go to the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, which is a very good cause. Um, right now, they have a massive Dynamite Comics bundle. And Dynamite does some of the coolest, coolest comics out there. Like, they do the old school stuff, like the Spider, and they do um, the Shadow, and Green Hornet, Red Sonja, Vampirella. They do the Game of Thrones comics. They do the Alice Cooper comics. Um, Army of Darkness, just some of the best stuff out there, including Bob's Burgers, by the way. They have a Bob's Burgers <laughs> series. Um, so right now uh, on the site, and it also includes the Dresden File comic books and just a ton of stuff. So right now you can go on Groupies and you can buy this collection and you can donate up to um you can donate whatever you want but if you do 
up to uh, $10, you get $250 worth of Dynamite Digital Comics for 10 bucks. Yeah. For a minimum of a dollar, you get around $50 worth. For $5, you get $200 worth. You cannot beat that with a stick, people. <laughs> and, I mean, this is stuff like the entire run of Army of Darkness, Hail to the Queen, Purgatory, the entire run, um, like the first four issues, Green Hornet, um, uh, Kevin Smith, written Green Hornet, 1 mm -hmm. through 10, um, the Dresden File books, um, Django versus Zaro, 1 and 2. Um, so just a ton of stuff. And I can't say enough when I find these things, I tell everybody about them because this is such an awesome deal and it's going on for the next five days as of this recording. So tomorrow, um, when this airs on Thursday, you'll have four days to get it. And, um, groupies.com. I will actually be posting a link to this on fangirlmag.com for you guys, but totally. The other cool thing about groupies is they do other stuff that are very geek friendly, like bundles. Um, once again, donations, very, very cheap, $1 minimums to start with. And you can get video games, records, and other stuff in these bundles. So you can get entire video games, like 10 games for a dollar on this site. Mm -hmm. So check it out, groupies.com, and I'll have links up for you. And, uh, yeah, you, you really can't beat it. I mean, really, seriously, 101 <laughs> comic books for 10 bucks. Yeah. So with that, it is time for our interview with Ted Raimi. Ah! I didn't tell him during the interview that I had a total crush on him growing <laughs> up with especially Lunatic's Love Story, which I at one time watched once a week for a year. Nice. Because I'm when I I love I love hardcore and sightly stalkery. Um, <laughs> but that's just me. But yeah, so this was a great interview. We had such a great time with him. And once um, uh, Deathly Spirits goes up, we will have a link to the YouTube video for you on the site as well. But don't wait for us. Go to YouTube on Friday, April 3rd. Go find Deathly Spirits. You're going to love it. And um, before we get to the interview, uh, thank you, Eric, for being on this week. Oh, absolutely. This was a joy. And here we go, Mr. Ted Ramey. Everyone, I'd love to um, welcome Mr. Ted Ramey to his first appearance on Fangirl Radio. And if you are not familiar with the name, which you definitely should be, you will be immediately recognizing the face if you saw him in so many things. He's been in, God, I, your list of, of, uh, on IMDb is huge, sir, I just have to say. Yeah, I, I thank you. Thank you. It's good to be on your show. Thanks for inviting me. I, I, I you know, I looked, but... Uh, few months ago on IMDb because I thought to myself, well, I wonder how many movies and TV shows have done. I, you know, you, you get to a point in your life and you say, well, I don't really know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a very lucky guy. I've got a lot of credit. So I went and I looked and many of them, I don't remember doing. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> not because I was snorting blow or something. But it's just that I don't recall them. It was so long ago. So I counted all the movies that I'd done. And I realized I'd been in almost a hundred movies. Good Lord. Yeah. I did. I think the last one I did, I don't, I don't know what the last movie I did, but movie wise, I'm on like 94 or 95 or something, but, but I'm, I'm very, very um, proud of myself. And just for that regard, I mean, just be, just because I was doing movies in the days when it was hard to get a movie. Now, of course, everybody makes them. Everybody's brother's sister has a feature film and development, but, um, you know, back when I was doing them, you know, in the 80s and 90s, it was just strictly studios and stuff. So I'm pretty proud of that. And uh, I was very, it was very nice to look back, you know, um, and see the movies I've done. It was, a, it was a wonderful thing. You know, IMDb is great. It's like, a, you know, it's like, it's like a scrapbook that you may not want to see, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I, disappointing that you don't have any blow stories, because I was going to totally ask you if you did blow off of Alf's st stomach while you were filming. <laughs> I mean... No, I That's so funny you mentioned. You know, Alf was the second TV show I was ever in. That was the second hour of television I ever did. The first was a failed pilot called Night and Day, which I think I shot in 1988. And But 
which would have been a completely unmemorable experience, except that Jack Warden was the star of it. Wow. I I think I remember seeing that pilot somewhere. Oh man, you I doubt it. You you're not I, old Oh my god, no, no, you don't you're understand. <laughs> I hey, remember everything. Or something, but yeah, I, I mean, that was a long time ago, but I do remember Jack Warden and his and Jack Warden was great. What a you know, I mean, just to get to do some lines with Jack Warden was worth the whole experience. Sadly, what made that experience less than ideal, my first TV experience was that Mason Adams was also on the show. Now, for those of you who are of a certain age, like myself, in, the, in their 40s, who don't know who Mason Adams is, he was the voice of Smucker's Jammies, did a thousand voiceovers. And Mason Adams sounds like this. <laughs> you might have heard him in certain kinds of commercials. He has that voice. <laughs> Mason was, well, he's dead, so he was a dick. He was really a dick. He was a dick to me. And I was just this kid. I was only like 21 years old at the time. And Mason was probably in his late 60s or early 70s. And on the first day of shooting, sorry, no, just before we went live, because we were shooting from a live audience, it was a, it was a sitcom, Mason said to me, are you going to wear those glasses? And at the, I had small round glasses at the time. And so did Mason. I said, yes, Mason, I will. He said, hey, you can't wear those glasses. Uh, they might get us confused. <laughs> <laughs> I, nice. <laughs> I looked at Mason. I looked at the director who shrugged. And then I looked at Jack Warden. And Jack Warden said to me, don't worry about Mason. While well, Mason was standing right there. Probably pissed in his cereal this morning. That's what Jack Warden said to me. I thought that was the funniest thing I ever. I fell down laughing. Anyway, but Mason Adams was just a cranky old man. I'm, uh, I, I don't miss him. <laughs> I do miss Jack Warden, though. God rest his soul. What an actor and what a what a fine man. Anyway, just going back to the very first thing I ever did a thousand thousand years ago. But, yeah. Well, and that was kind of one of the questions that I was going to ask you was, uh, you've done so much TV. What was the most surreal experience that you've had doing a television series? Because you've done so many different kinds of TV series. Yeah, I have. I, I guess the most surreal one, uh, well, I think I think my first regular series show, Sequest DSV, back in, starting in 90, 1993, was, you know, the, the, the most surreal one because you know, I, I hadn't done a whole lot up to then. I'd done, I'd done some movies, mostly horror movies, like Wes Craven's Shocker. I'd done a, uh, a few TV spots and a lot of commercials, but I hadn't really, you know, been in a TV show. I didn't know what that kind of fame was like. I'd never experienced anything like that. And the whole time I was sort of, my head was sort of in the clouds, you know. I didn't, I couldn't quite grasp it. And I don't think a lot of actors can, you know. And, and, that, and fortunately, I, I had good parents who taught me how to be respectful and good with my money and things like that. So I never had the same fate that most first time actors do when they're on a TV show, which is behave like a dick and blow all your money so that by the end of the show, you're left with no reputation and nothing in your bank. That's a very, very common scenario and uh, more common than you might even think. You probably don't even know all the actors that go through all that. But, but, but I, I did, it, it was very, very odd. You know, it's a, it's a very surreal experience to, um, suddenly be more or less unknown and then be very, very, very known. So that was, that was quite, uh, quite a thing. Well, and, and that was one of the other questions you kind of leading me into everything I had on my list here for you. The, the, I have a special love for Sequest DSV and I didn't realize until just before I, you know, I, when we, we booked you, I went back and looked at everybody that had been on that show it was a huge list of guest stars. There were major yeah. people in this thing. Like, yeah. yeah, we had great guest stars. And uh, uh, we had, um, God, we had everybody, but including Michael York, who, you know, who was uh, on the show for a while. And, um, well, you know, at the time, you have to remember, Sequest had a budget of $1.5 million an episode, which today is very modest. Right, but, but back at the that time, first of all, you have to remember take it back to number one, 1993 dollars. So yeah. if you adjust for inflation, that's probably closer to $4 million an episode or something now. And that's an incredible 
amount of money. But at that time, nobody had spent that much money on a per episode show. Nobody had. And um, when we got canceled in season after season three, it wasn't because of ratings. Our ratings were still pretty good, but it was just too expensive to to continue with, you know. And if it had been any less money, probably would have gone on. But it was just uh, too much money to make, you know. So how how was it for you working with like um, just for a name that was on here? Like you had William Shatner. How was it with Shatner on set? Did great. Shatner was great. You know, I mean, he was, look, he's just, you know, he's just a, he's an old theater hand who became a, became a TV star. And, um, he's, um, he was fine. He just came in. He just sort of nailed his stuff and went home. You know, he, I, I wish I had, you had some great, you know, sort of Captain Kirk stories for you, but he was just a real professional. And I, I, I always admired him for that, you know, but still when he walked on set, it was like, shit, Captain Kirk's here. <laughs> Well, and I, and Charlton Heston too, and David McCollum, who I absolutely adore. I mean, it just was such a neat show, and it was great. To, it was great having David McCollum on it too, and I remember him very well. And uh, I think he might have passed away since. I don't I, know. Is he still with us? I think McCollum is. McCollum is because I think he's still on um, NCIS. Oh, good for him. Oh, right, that's right. He is. Yeah. Um, I'd cry. He's great. Yeah, he's he's been around. <laughs> McCollum's. I'm I'm fairly certain one of these you know Royal Shakespeare guys. Um, who um, theater actor for a million years and is just fascinating to watch in front of the camera. Uh, Heston was awesome too. Heston was great. I'll, I'll never forget uh, working with him because uh, he was such a professional. I'd never seen such professionalism. Uh, I think I might have seen that level of professionalism maybe another five or six times in my entire career. In that Charles Heston would never, ever leave the set unless he had to go to the bathroom so bad he just couldn't take it anymore. Like, he was, most actors of his caliber, when they do television, and these are in the days you have to remember when television wasn't, was really, like, not much compared to movies. Television was a sub-genre. Now, television is as good or better. Big A-list actors all wanted to do great TV shows. But in those days, they didn't. So... Heston was doing this thing, so it was a really big deal. But most actors of his caliber would leave, would leave a set if there was a break in the action. They'd just go right back to their trailer and hang out, make calls, whatever. Heston never left, and he, was, he always knew his lines and everybody else's lines. That guy was, you know, he was not a movie star for no reason, I guess. You know? That's great. <laughs> so um, I got one more question. I'm going to turn it over to, to Eric because I know he's sure. got some great ones for you. Sure. But- uh, one thing I always ask actors who have done a lot of genre work, uh, do you think horror and science fiction, it, with everything that's going on with, say, like, you've got Star Wars, you've got the Avengers films, you've got um, Game, Game of Thrones and Penny Dreadful, do you think that horror and science fiction, fantasy, the genres in particular, are are getting the, the respect that they finally deserve, you know? in this day and time or do you think it's still kind of considered like like you said actors of that sort of caliber wouldn't do it but you're seeing them do it now well i think um i think where the money goes the respect goes (laughs) it's true i that's really as simple as that you cannot ignore money i think for you know i think I, i think that there are um a generation, I think there's still a generation of snobs out there who, young and old, who say this is just all crap, and I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in real drama, um, but you know, it's cyclical. Everything's cyclical too. You know, there, there was a time in uh, the not, but from you know, 55 to about 65, when this genre was very big, and then it became unbig. You know, and then the 70s and 80s came around and. 90s and whatever and then became big again so it's a little bit cyclical of a thing uh and it will become unpopular again without a doubt um it seems like it'll always be with us but nothing ever is you know it's funny if you think for example it seems like it that is the case but take for example say all of us were living in 1947 right now having this conversation and we would say to ourselves movies were kind of crappy 
Then they got great, and they'll always be great from now on. We've got Bogart, we've got Bacall, we have James Cagney, we have E.G. Marshall, we have all these great actors and everybody, and how could it ever be bad again? Of course, they got very bad again. <laughs> movies got really, in fact, shitty for a long, long time, and they got so bad that the studio heads didn't know what to do, so they started hiring independent people to do it for them because they couldn't figure it out anymore. And that, that's true with science fiction and fantasy and horror, too. You know, I think this is a wonderful time for it. It's, we're living in sort of a, a golden age of it, you know, for better and for worse, um, uh, of, of this genre because um, there's just so much of it and so much money is being made. So critics cannot help but, you know, have to sort of fall in line with it. But... Again, it'll become unpopular again, I think, eventually. Well, and you, you came from that independent field, too. Uh, yeah. With, yeah. And so you know what it's like to, like, fight for it. Yeah. And, you know, in those days, too, like when I started, there wasn't Kickstarter. There wasn't anything. You just had to, like, beg your dad's friends for money, you know. <laughs> exactly. That was all there was, you know. And, you know, raid your college fund and all and that kind of stuff. Max like, out your credit cards and go for it. Yeah, that's it, you know. All right, Eric, I know you've got some doozies for him, so I'm going to hand it over to you for now. All right, well, um, Ted, how, how do you feel about doing something a little different here? Sure, let's go. That sounds um, like fun. I wanna, it, this is the first time I'm trying this out, so hopefully it doesn't flop. But what I want to do <laughs> is ask you three questions. By the way, if it, if it does flop, you'll hear a click and then a dial tone. <laughs> Thank, oh, thanks, great. Eric. Great. <laughs> no, fresh, no pressure then. Um, what I want to do, I want to ask you three questions about me. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> I already like this game. <laughs> all right. So my first question is, what is my favorite Ted Raimi performance and why? Uh, your favorite Ted Raimi performance would be um, the Midnight Meat Train because I get my eyeballs smashed out of my head um, by a sledgehammer. That's a great answer, but I'm sorry we were looking for wing in My Name is Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. But now right. I might have to... Okay, Roger that. Yeah, that <laughs> I, might, I might have to reconsider. Fair I enough. Do like, I do like the scene in Midnight Meat Train. You know, oh, um, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, wing in My Name is Bruce, incidentally, in that movie, I played three different parts. One of which is a, an 80-year-old Asian man named Wing. And uh, it's a comedy. The movie is a comedy, of course. It's not a serious movie by any means. It's a broad, broad comedy, old school. And I got some of the worst, most, well, I shouldn't say worst. That would, that's a whole different idea. I got some of the most scathing reviews for that movie that, of my performance as that character that I I've ever gotten. I love you in that movie. Oh, thank you. I, I, I thank you very much. Well, the, the, there's a – what I learned <laughs> – every movie has a little lesson. And what I learned from that movie is unless you're a really big star, not a character actor like I am, unless you're a really big star, you're not allowed to play other ethnicities. <laughs> if you're Robert Downey Jr., you can play a black man in a comedy – if you're Eddie Murphy, you can play a Jewish man in a comedy. But if you're Ted Raimi, you may not play an Asian man in a comedy. That is, <laughs> that is not acceptable. And boy, did I get some tough reviews. I think the worst I ever got was the New York Village Voice. You're familiar with the famous uh, uh, liberal uh, newspaper there, with a very um, for the people, uh, kind of a uh, mag there in New York City, uh -huh. uh, said... Um, I, mean, I, I, I memorized this quote because it was it burnt, it burned it into my head. Ted Raimi, and I'm quoting, gives the most offensive performance of an Asian man since Mickey Rooney did it in Breakfast at Tiffany's. I was going to ask if they compared <laughs> you to Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at that Tiffany's. That was the first thing that came to my mind. And hey, listen, I, I listen. You know, I mean, it's um, there. You look whenever you're doing comedy and whenever you're doing a comedy stereotype, which, you know, is just, you know, it's always tricky to do. It's always tricky. You will offend somebody. There's no doubt about it. You know, um, I mean, but it's all about the context of your jokes. 
that's really, you know, when you're doing comedy, that's all about the context. And in this instance, it was so broad, the comedy in this, in this movie, and it was so outrageous and off the wall that if anyone took offense at it, they must have been either the most dour person in the world or looking for it or just kind of snort and blow and then were just angry and drinking. I don't know. I'm not sure. But, but boy, they, they really ripped me, uh, ripped me a new one, as they say in that, in that performance. Crazy. crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. What's your next question? All right. Um, this one's a little tricky. What is my favorite color? (laughs) (laughs) The abstract nature of that. That That's really interesting. (laughs) He's thinking. I'm thinking. I'm trying to think. Your favorite color is dark red. Oh, that's very close. What is it? Very close. Well, my favorite color is black, but my second favorite color is red. So you're right in between. Okay, not bad. So I'm pretty close. I'd probably got it's pretty you know, good. That's an ESP test. <laughs> yep, pretty good. It is an ESP. Yep. All right, and finally, what's that? No, go on. Yes, sir. your next question. Okay, the I'm final waiting. question. I'm here. Ready with bated breath. I, I can't wait to hear what uh, what I'm going to say. <laughs> Why am I excited about Deathly Spirits? Why are you excited about Deathly Spirits? Because Deathly Spirits will frighten and excite you <laughs> to learn how to make craft cocktails, which is something that I love to do. That's why you will like Deathly Spirits. Great. And for those who don't know, Deathly Spirits is um, my new web series, which premieres Friday, April the 3rd. And um, it is a throwback to old 1940s and 50s radio shows where the story was narrated instead of performed, really, uh, uh, and filmed. So this is a sort of an old-fashioned, old-fashioned sort of a storytelling idea where I sit in front of the camera uh, to a degree and tell the story as opposed to shocking the audience. They'll have to just listen audibly to uh, to get the horror and the chill. So um, it's quite a challenge, but it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun making the thing. That sounds well, the te- great. The teaser looks fantastic, and I'm a huge okay. fan of old radio shows, so that just that's pulling me in even more. I can't oh, wait to, uh, thank to you. see slash hear it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot. I think it'll uh, turn out well. I'm, I'm very proud of the pilot, and um, um, in fact, I'm shooting uh, episode two uh, tomorrow, so that's very exciting for uh, you know to air uh, next week. Um, and it's been fun. Also, uh, I've had a lot of a lot of good help from um, Alex Albrecht. Uh, I don't know if you know who Alex Albrecht is. He's um, he's kind of a web guru. He's um, he was created a show called Dignation, and also um, the Totally Rad Show. Um, he's a big internet guy, mostly a gamer, um, but he's an old friend of mine, and he helped helped me out a great deal. So it was great to have his help too. So how does the um, the drinking slash cocktails uh, mix into this? How does that work in? Are they haunted cocktails? No, the cocktails aren't haunted. The idea is your nerves will be so jangled by the story that you'll need a drink to settle you down. (laughs) Nice. This is great. So can you give us a preview of what the first drink is that you make on the show? Yes, I'll tell you. It's Well, really, they're classic cocktails. There's no sort of sex on the beach and flaming shots of peach horror and nothing like (laughs) that. Basically, anything that you find at a college bar, you won't find on that show. Um, (laughs) Thank God. The first drink is uh, the most, is the oldest drink, the oldest cocktail in the world, which is the old fashioned. Oh, nice. Yes, it's the old fashioned, um, which is uh, basically um, came out of the cocktail itself. The origins of it came from the old fashioned. And what the old fashioned is, is bitters mixed with bourbon and simple syrup or sugar and a muddled orange. But Initially, it was just bitters. And what bitters are, if you don't know, they're the oldest sort of medicine. It's a tincture. And, of course, for those of you who don't know that, a tincture is just nothing more than herbs preserved in alcohol, and a, a, usually a very clear alcohol to preserve them so that you could give them as medicine. It's very early sort of, of uh, mm-hmm. medicine that you could deliver to people and it would keep for years. So people would take these herbs, these health herbs uh, and these tinctures, but they realized that they tasted awful. They tasted bitter, hence the name. So they would start mixing them with nice things like booze, 
to make it go down a little smoother. More alcohol with the alcohol, please. More alcohol with the alcohol. Then they realized, well, that was good, but it needed to be a little sweeter, so they put a little sugar in it. And that's how the old fashioned got started. And that's why it's called the old fashioned because it really is the oldest mixed drink uh, that we know of. That, very cool. That is very, very cool. I have a friend yes. of mine named Alex Hamilton that is an old school bartender that makes these drinks. He even uses like egg in the, uh, in the, and I, I don't think it's the old fashioned he uses the egg in. There's a drink that he uses like eggs in. And yes, makes, that's right. It is? Made with a, t- typically, eggs are made with a drink called a flip. It's an old sort of a drink, and you can make lots of things with flips. Uh, um, really, uh, well, the best example of a flip that everybody likes is uh, eggnog. I'm sure you've had an eggnog. Oh, yeah. It's nothing more than a flip made with uh, bourbon and uh, sugar and um, sometimes uh, a little bit of uh, rum. Got it. Yeah, and he's like an old school bartender. He has like a kit and everything that he brings around with him. And so, are oh, you serious? Yeah, he's no. He he works at a bar, kind of a plug for him. The Handlebar in in Austin. He he works there, and he looks like an old school strong man. So that works out just great. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just have to make a side note here. Uh, this is incidentally for those who are listening. If you give a crap, this is a first Skype interview I've ever given, and. It's the best thing in the world. You guys are so crystal clear. I thought Skype was all crap, but actually I'm never talking on the phone again. You, you know you can have people <laughs> call you on Skype with their phones. They can do that. No, I'm not going to have them do that anymore. Oh, you got it. <laughs> the hell with that. I just want people to call Skype to Skype. That's the only way I want to do it. It is, it is a handy-dandy little thing for sure. Yeah. Um, so I know we're about run out of time with you, but I wanted to ask you, because it kind of ties into uh, the background on uh, Deadly Spirits. Yes, uh, yes, Jessica. Uh, you've worked on cartoons and done a lot of voice work. Yeah. Uh, how did you get into that? And I, I love the fact that you can do so many impressions, because I loved Code Monkeys. Oh, wow. yeah, that was a fun show. Freaking love uh, that show. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed Yeah, Code Monkeys was a, a lot of fun, and... Um, you know, I, I didn't know it would have such legs. You know, people were the um, Adam and Gretchen that made that show uh, came to me and wanted me to be on it. They just wanted me because I could do all these different kind of goofy voices. And so um, they asked me to do it and um, I did it. And um, it was fun. I was I think I was like Robert De Niro. I did about 100. You know, listen, I'm I'm not like some amazing impressionist. I just do my own weird versions of these sort of celebrities, you know. I, I have the Ted version of these things. So, <laughs> uh, so don't get me wrong. I, you won't see me up on stage doing stand-up and impressions, but I do my own weird versions of them. Yeah, so that was fun. And I also also voiceover, I think I did, I also did uh, Invader Zim mm-hmm. uh, for uh, a very talented animator named Jonan Vasquez, uh, who created that show, who I think now is working for, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, swim? Late, late Night Swim? Oh, Adult Swim. <laughs> Adult, Adult Swim. swim. Adult Swim. He's doing Adult Swim now, which is perfect for him because he's kind of a mad genius, you know. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, but uh, but anyway, but yeah, I'm just very I'm, and uh, thanks for having me on your show. I'm I'm very proud of uh, of this new thing I've done. I you know I've been sort of hermiting away for the last year, uh, you know, like uh, just you know. Did you guys read the um, that the Anne Rice book? I think it's. Uh, What's that first one? Um, the Vampire Lestat. Is that the very first book of that in that series? Uh, Interview with the, the vampire. vampire. Interview with the Vampire. Excuse me. Interview with the Vampire. The Vampire Lestat's the sequel, I believe. Mm-hmm. And in that first one, there's a the scariest and freakiest moment of that whole book. I mean, it's really um, a, an interesting book. Um, most of it I did love, but the, there was a very frightening part of it where I think Lestat at some point is hiding. And he hides from like 1930 to about 1975, under a house. Mm-hmm. And all he does, it's a very thick one paragraph. It's the scariest paragraph of the book. He's hiding under a house, and he's eating rats and reading books. That's all he does for 35 years of his life. Are, are you saying that that was what you were doing for a year? Well, it's not like this last year <laughs> we're doing that. I mean, um, I wasn't eating rats, but I was counting them here in L.A. You know, they, we have a lot of them around. Yeah. I'm sort of counting them walk on the, you know, the, the power line poles and reading books. So it's sort of permanent away a bit, but uh, now I'm back and it's nice to be back. 
That's awesome. We're glad to have you back, sir, for sure. Thank you. Absolutely. And I have to say before we let you go, yes. I am going to stab someone in the throat if I don't get a good quality copy on DVD of Lunatics of Love Story. When are we going to get that? That's one of my favorite things you've ever uh, done. Thank you so much. It's such a nice compliment. You know, I've done a million indie movies. Very few of them have been um, love stories like that one. That was, a, of course, a, almost a... a very bizarre love story. But that one I thought turned out great. I loved it. And thank you. I thank you so much. I did too. I'm very proud of that one. And I don't say that about everything I've done, but I'm very proud of that. And um, Josh Becker directed that. He did a fantastic job. And um, the problem with that being released, Sony has a print, but they will not put it out on DVD. And I have had so many people ask me the very question that you have had. Why? isn't that on DVD or Blu-ray? And all of us who made the film were just shrugging. I mean, look, Sony's releasing, like, Trancers 9. <laughs> it's <TV>. true. It's <laughs> like, true. give me a break, man. Come on, dude. It's like, okay, fine. I get it. That's a genre, you know, it's a sci-fi genre movie, but it's like, you know, Bloodsuckers 4, you know, the, the you know, the, the new beginning. <laughs> yeah, the seconding, whatever. The fourthening. No, the the thing that sucks is this movie is so visually gorgeous. It's like a living cartoon in some spots, and it would be it really is. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, we had um, it was really nice, and um, Debbie Foreman, who's just a, a sweet girl and a fine actress, uh, you know, played um, what was her name in that movie? Oh, Julie, I Ju think. I think it was Julie. Yeah, I think I can't remember the gag. It was so long ago; I haven't seen it in a while. But I, that that character she played was just um was just great and she did such a, a, a wonderful job and uh, I'm very proud of that movie. I really am and um, still after all these years, you know, um, it's one of my favorite indies I've done. It was the first indie I was ever in just by chance but I'm grateful. Listen, a lot of actors never get the opportunity that I, I had just to even do one movie that they were proud of. Most actors, you know, are, you know, doing Bloodbath for The Return, you know, and I'm lucky to have done that movie so I'm a lucky guy. <laughs> it's, it's a unique movie too. It is. Yeah. It is. If you can find it on DVD, which is almost impossible now. Excuse me, on VHS, it's almost impossible now. But um, it's worth your time, I think. Totally. Well, Ted, thank you so much. And we would love to have you back whenever you'd love to come on. We, You're more than welcome to come back on the show. We, we Thank love you so much. You. Please, please contact me via the fabulous modern, modern world of Skype in the future. We're in the future <laughs> now. And um, um, please... Uh, Please uh, tell your viewers to uh, watch watch my show if they are of a of a of a like mind as me. I think they'll find it good, especially if they like drinks and scary stories. It's going to be right up their alley. And that will be um, actually as of uh, this episode uh, you're listening to right now. It will be on tomorrow on YouTube. Deathly Spirits comes on the third of April, Friday the third. Shall and I end with uh, Shall I end with uh, my um, Shall I end with my sinister laugh for you? Oh yes, please, sir. Let's end with that. Ready? <laughs> there you go there fantastic go. that is awesome thank you so much ted we really appreciate it thanks guys thanks for having me on it was wonderful to be on the show this was great thank you thank you